Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You not go die unless you want die. But if you want die, shall you go die. One, two, three.
how life can show you in different ways. They say that if you wake up in the morning, thank God, cause you may be yawning. Some other they might be mourning a loving one. Two ways to look at this picture, I'm choosing one. Never since I was a young and been hoping, chasing and making it. Forgot to live my life and say thank you for all the little things. Tell mommy, I'm sorry, thankfulness for the night I met Mickey Ferrari. You told me to focus on that love. And on that light, I knew my brother wasn't right. I, I, what did I miss out? Same brother drinking all this rose black bottle to piss out. Piss off, you never talk like that. I, 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 so what you saying, black? You saying you found something more important than making cash? What is that? Welcome to Podcart and welcome to another very special guest and today is, um, it's Kobe and Yami. Yeah. How, what would you, would you prefer I called you Kwame or am, am I pronouncing it correctly? You are, yes, it's, yeah, it's Kobe and Yami but I mean it's my stage name so yeah. a lot of people call me Kwame because yeah. that's my real name. Yeah. It's funny sometimes because uh, some people actually don't know that my real name's Kwame. <laughs> <laughs> and they find out really late. Um, it's, it's happened a few times. I did a, an interview a few years ago and the interviewer had no idea that my real name was not Kobe Onyami. So the first question he asked me was, um, so why did you decide to go with your real name as your stage name? And I was like, it's not my real name. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> Research. <laughs> but yeah, Kwame's my real name, so by all means, yeah. Okay. Um, you, I've asked you to pick six tracks. I'm going to be playing a couple of your songs as well. Oh, great. Um, okay. And I wanted, we obviously are going to, uh, some people that regularly listen to the podcast, it's songs that have kind of shaped your life or your soundtrack to your, your career and, and why yeah. they're important to you. You've picked some absolute belters. Um, and I think this is the the selection you've picked is actually one of my favorites so far i'm not just saying that i know um i think just because it is something it reminds me a lot of my brother's music tastes growing up so it's quite nostalgic some of this for me um so first of all how did what was the first um what's your first musical memory my first musical memory oh my goodness (laughs) it was in England and I can actually picture this I'm sitting I'm, I'm in the kitchen and, I'm, and we've got this um there's old school kind of tape players that you kind of slide in and you know like play kind of like yeah track four track recorders and it was Michael Jackson's bad album on cassette and uh, my dad had that album and I was in the kitchen and I was playing that album over and over again that's one of my earliest and it's like a very early memory of me just loving what I'm hearing and just being into into music and just, you know, loving this song or loving this album, just playing it over and over again. Um, off the top of my head, that's probably my, <laughs> one of my earliest. And I must have been about, I'll tell you what, I was younger than six. Yeah. I know that for a fact, yeah. And so I was probably about four or five years old. How how important were your parents within music, with music for you? Were they pivotal in terms of how...? Um, very Very pivotal in... 
the style of music that I make. Mm-hmm. Um, very influenced by what I heard. My my dad always played um, high life music in his car. So again, earliest memories is sitting in the back of my dad's car. Um, this is in Ghana. We're either driving to he's either like driving us to church, or we're kind of just you know out and about, and he's playing um, old traditional Ghanaian high life music, or he's playing. Um, old high um, kind of hip life music from from Ghana so artists like uh, Daddy Lumba or Kudra Enji um, and you know so he- hearing that and then also from my mother's side hearing a lot of gospel she used to sing a lot of gospel at home yeah um, she used to play a lot of gospel at home um, so from from hearing what they played and, and, and taking on board their influences to, to, to my influence, yes. I wouldn't say so much early on um, as she choosing as, as a career because coming from where I'm coming from, music isn't really the first option. It's no. either, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, <laughs> you know, one of those two, and it's, and it's and there's no other option. So it, it took quite a while, I must say, for my dad to kind of come around and uh, accept that um, music was something that I really wanted to to pursue and I know that so my my father's Moroccan and Uh when um I he we used to get like literally plagued with uh Moroccan traditional Arab music and my friends who are obviously from the west of Scotland had never heard anything like this before and I used to be so embarrassed I'd be like oh my god (laughs) what the hell are you doing play something commercial um whereas now I'm so proud of all that music have you always kind of really been proud of your parents music and and so on 100% no yeah no no, I was I wasn't always proud I mean that young hearing hearing my dad's collection I'm I didn't know what was going on. I mean, it was it was it was in tree most of the music. Um, I wasn't that fluent in in tree or understanding what they were saying. So, um, but like you said, as I've gotten older, I I started to appreciate it a bit more, um, and yeah, become just very proud about it. I don't think I've always been always been a fan. <laughs> I think my dad kind of liked a bit of both. So there was a, there was some Bob Marley. You know, there was some kind of, you know, commercial music, <laughs> yeah. but there was a lot of traditional high life music um, and that stuff. I just didn't get I, I, I just remember sometimes he would he, he would he would drive back from the office into the house and he would sit in his car for another maybe 15, 20 minutes, just cranking up the volume to this kind of really um, percussion based tune. Boom, 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 boom. And he's just like, you can tell he's loving it. He's just in the car, he's loving it. <laughs> Something that I would like I would do to maybe, I don't know, a chance to rap a record or something, you yeah. know, I would, I would just sit in the car and just enjoy it. He was sitting and I just never understood oh, what, what's so good about that music. But then <laughs> as I got older, I just really, you know, yeah. really appreciate it. And, yeah. and we'll talk, once we go into more of your music that you're making yeah. now, we'll talk about that because it's really, you've really taken on your roots. Yeah. Um, so the tracks that you've picked um, for this podcast, yeah. You, uh, your first pick is Crisscross, yeah. which I think for a lot of um, kids probably around our age, they were huge. They were massive. Um, so how did, wh- why is this so significant? They were, they were massive. See, this is like um, I was saying earlier, it's 
when you ask me to pick some songs, I found it very difficult because it's something you know. I love all kinds of all kinds of songs. There's so many songs influence me, but I had to be. Uh, I tried to be as honest as possible with myself and my journey, and kind of go chronologically and kind of just pick records that were moments for me. And Crisscross, they were a moment for me because they were roughly about the same age. Um, they were huge. They were superstars. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I didn't try to, um, wearing my trousers backwards at any <laughs> point in time. You know, like they were they were massive, and um, that was probably one of the earliest, if not yet, yeah, that's like the earliest memory of me loving hip hop music. Just kick a little something for them cars that be bumping. Some real smooth. <laughs> you can just ride to. Tell me how you feel. Here we go. All tight, all tight, so we have a all tight, all tight. Everything feels alright. I went to school without a fool trying to pick a fight. I was loped out, crisscross shirts of khakis. Looking and feeling like nothing but a maxi. The bell rang and I got my dash. Feeling good cause it was the last day of school and I passed. No mom's tripping, so me and my mom were dipping to celebrate the fact that I wasn't slipping. The downtown scene was packed. People screaming from Nayrod to my rod and to the man. I says I am what I am, that's who I am. And y'all should have seen how they was trying to get to me cool. Cause this and them don't pack. They're the reason why we are who we are to this very day. And all that love keeps me and Chris side. Long as we give some love back, everything's alright. Hold tight, hold tight, so we have a hold tight, hold tight, hold tight, so we have a hold tight. Tell them it's a cat and him have a hold tight. Tell them Chris Cross, everything is alright. Coming out the place and you're feeling right. You're coming out the place and you hold your girl tight. Tell them it's a cat, him and DJ tonight. Say hold Just coming out 
second album because I've, I much preferred the second album to the first album there's a song called Alright which featured uh, Supercat uh, the Jamaican kind of like dance hall who's um, superstar so yeah they were they were just huge and it was the first time for me where I, you know I, I became a super fan yeah that was my first um, my my first memory of becoming a super fan of a group of an artist and saying I love these these guys I want to be like these guys I want to get into this industry. Yeah. Or I want to, you know, mimic these guys as maybe you know a kid that age would want to do, and um, they were definitely it for me. When did you first start, compl- like, performing within either your bedroom or thinking, you know, oh what age were you when you started? Must, so I'm thinking, say maybe seven or eight years old, and again, this is this is going back to for me. Crisscross, MC Hammer. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> around that time, and it was mimicking the dance moves. I remember seeing the. Fir- I remember first time I saw um, the All Right video actually by Crisscross. I was around a friend's house, and they had cable. We didn't have cable, so I was around a, uh, a friend's house. Or oh, what was it? Cable? I don't think it was cable. I think he he had a he, he had a, a brother or a cousin or a family member in America who taped music videos for him and ah. sent over the VHS so he was just like watching reruns of v- old VHS tapes and it was a crisscross video and that's the first time I saw the alright video and I just thought wow incredible so it was just about yeah just me kind of I used to write down lyrics and just recite their lyrics not knowing what they were talking about if I'm honest. So you were um, raised in London? I was born in Ghana Yeah. and then moved to Norwich actually. Oh right yeah. and so what age did you move over from Ghana? One. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I was oh, um, f- first time. Um, yeah, one years old. Did a lot of your family come over? Was it just your everyone? Oh wow! So my father um, moved first for the first time to England to study. He he moved over to do his his uh, his master's degree, his postgrad, and he moved the whole family. Uh, and um, and again when he um, went back to Ghana. He moved the whole family, which, which is which, which was which is only right, you know. He wanted to be close to his family. He wanted, yeah. he wanted his family close. So wherever my father went, um, he would we would all go with him. And what are your uh, memories of living in Norwich? I've got some memories. I remember I went to a primary school called Mousehold Mousehold First School. Yeah, I think it was called Mousehold First School. Yeah, and um, Norwich was Nor- Norwich was interesting. I don't have that. M- Many memories. I remember I, one of my best friends, a guy called Gary, um, Gary Frank Tingle. I remember that. That's weird. That's <laughs> like you, you bring you bring that out of me. Um, um, but I, I, I guess I'd say Norwich was where I first discovered the likes of Michael Jackson. Yeah. The likes of um, the Fat Boys. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't really a love of music until. Crisscross came about. It was more so, you know, just kind of dabbling. I think at that age in, in Norwich, it was just more so. I, I I do remember cycling and where we lived. We lived really close to the primary school, so um, I remember just having like cycling round, kind of like the block, um, 
which was kind of yeah, was quite interesting. Bring that back now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then was it on to London? And then it was on to London. Yeah. yeah. But London was for a very brief period, and then it was back to Ghana. Ah. So it was back to Ghana. Because you studied in Ghana, in Ghana, didn't you? Yeah. So it was back. It was back to Ghana when I was. So I discovered Chris Cross in Ghana. Yeah. So, so you're talking. I was about seven, eight years old. Um, again, it was my father went back to study. Yeah. I actually went back to teach at the university um, in Ghana and because of that moved the whole family. I think that's where the love of music started for me. That's where I discovered uh, your Criss Crosses, your MC Hammers, your Dr. Dre's and um, that's where I kind of started to dabble in a little bit of writing. In 1995, my father again came to do his PhD at Strathclyde University. Wow. So. He moved the whole family up, so I came up to Glasgow. I think that's where my influence started to become a bit more guitar, because was, was, I discovered Oasis. And yeah, the, like indie the indie side of stuff. So, um, Bone Thunks and Harmony. Um, yes. So, Crossroads was, again, a huge hit. Massive. Um, and I saw a, um, I think I saw or read an interview about I mean, when we get on to Notorious B.I.G. and, and so on, uh -huh. the, the language that's used and, and the, the kind of style of rap, when you look back at that and how some of it is really quite offensive and so yeah. on. But this song is very much about the vocals. That, yeah. That's what strikes people with it. What was, when did this song come about? Crossroads came out in 95, 96, I think it was. The first thing about Crossroads was basically, it was just the singing aspect. It was, it was the harmonies that these guys were doing. Boom, 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 boom.
to a lot of Snoop Dogg because around about the same time that Doggy Style came yep. out um, or maybe a few years after um, I wasn't really into Nas and people like that it was kind of um, around about the same time that Doggy Style came out um, Salt and Pepper had an album out at that time as well which was pretty dope that I was listening to um, Dr. Dre Tupac and then these guys came out and they were, you know, practically singing. They were boom, 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 yeah. boom. I didn't hear a word they were under what, 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 <laughs> what they were saying, but it sounded great. And it sounded so different to everything that was out there, you know? And that is what struck me the first time. The imagery of them wasn't the best. I remember my mum hated it because like, they used like skulls and kind of this very dark imagery. And uh, my mum was very, very strong Christian, and I, um, I grew up in a very, you know, uh, a Christian household, and it was like, no, none of these imagery is not allowed, you know, <laughs> red Blair and so, but I listened to it anyways, and um, yeah. But again, for me, Crossroad was a moment. It was another moment where my love of of, of hip hop made me like I was a fan of the group. Another of your picks is Notorious V.I.G. R.I.P. Yeah. I heard Tupac blasting from my brother's room and then I started, I think I started to discover like the roots and, and Tupac and, and Notorious V.I.G. and so on. I was a fan of the whole bad boy entertainment movement. So for me, between say 97 and 99, to me it was just bad boy records. It was big it was mace it was total locks that was my entire disco <laughs> like music collection massive fan of them and i discovered i was i was very much more of a notorious big fan when i was that age um and i discovered big before i discovered park i had to go back to discover to um, to listen to tupac um but i picked more money more problems because again it was it's another it was another moment for me it was um it was a biggie track that came out after he passed away. Uh, my mum, um, bless her, said that when um, Puff Daddy's I'll Be Missing You came on, she saw, like, I was watching it on MTV and she saw me on, on, uh, <laughs> on the couch watching it and she said I had a tear down my eye. <laughs> Tell me who rock, 
block, who sell out in the stores? You tell me who flop, who cop the blue drop, who jewels got pops, who's mostly goji down to the blue drop. The same old pimp, mace, you know ain't nothing changed but my limp. Can't stop till I see my name on the blimp. Guarantee me yourselves, pull the level up. You don't believe in Harlem world, nigga, double up. We don't play around, it's a bet, lay it down. Niggas didn't know me, 91, bet they know me now. I'm the young Harlem nigga with the goldie sound. Can't no PD, niggas hold me down. Cooler, school me to the game, now I know my duty. Stay humble, stay low, blow like hootie. True pimp, niggas spin no dough on the booty. And then yell, there go mace, there go your cutie. So when he passed, it was really, really, and that, and I think that was the first single that came out after, um, 
and it was just, and it was huge. It was what absolutely was massive. It, what was it about that movement that really struck a chord with you? Was it because it was so bold? It was very bold. People kind of call that. It's just very much. It's, it's referred to as, as the shiny suit era, right? Because Puff was, <laughs> was Puff was all about his shiny suits. Mace was all about the shiny suits. Uh, I was a massive Mace fan. It was yeah. It was it was it was it was it was bold, but at the same time, it was the first time I think hip hop became that commercial. And at 14, 15 years old, um, I was attracted to that, you mm -hmm. know? Um, like many 14, 15 years old, um, um, year old are, I was very much attracted to the shiny suits. And then and, uh, um, I was a massive fan of, of just the style and um, Mace and just the way he would kind of, like his, his swag yeah. when he rhymed, the same with Big, you know, just his, his his voice and just his swag was just great. It was fantastic, and it was it was fun to see. So it was that's what attracted me to that era. And um, I think Big was um, definitely the epitome of just that whole bad boy movement. And more money, more problems has Mace on it. It has Puff on it, and it has Big on it. And it kind of just signified that entire three four years of hip hop for me. It was Notorious B.I.G. was Bad Boy Records, and more money, more problems was that track. Anywhere you went. Something that I want to ask you that's, that's mm. might be a bit more serious, mm. that, that's something I really wanted to ask you and I feel, I feel that I'm brave enough to ask you is that with your, your family and as a young black man moving yeah. to the UK, yeah. um, have, have you ever experienced any hostility when you've been here or um, ostracism in any way? A hundred percent, yeah. yeah. Um, one of my earliest memories um, of racism I mean, I've, I've been called the N-word before. One of my earliest memories of racism happened in St. Rock Secondary School. And it was in the classroom. And it was this girl, um, I don't, I don't, I've, I kind of vaguely remember. Um, but it was this girl that just kind of came up and used the N-word. Um, Did you know what? I didn't know why. Right, okay. I didn't know what I'd done wrong. I didn't know, um, I didn't really either... It's funny, I, I knew that it was a bad word because I was told it was a bad word, but I didn't, I, I didn't really get it. Um, did it make me angry? It made me very angry. I remember coming back from school, walking with my brother and another young, uh, a, a, young, a young boy ran towards us and spat on my brother. And that was the first time I ever got into a fight was when, um, yeah, just like just spat over my mouth for no reason whatsoever, and so um, yeah, hundred percent. I've, I've um, it's one of those things where I think also being at that age, you don't really totally understand it. But my dad always actually said to me, um, it's weird. He always said to me back then, "Remember that you're different." Wow. He always he always said that. Remember that you're different, and I I got it, but I also didn't understand it because kind of like okay, yeah because I'm black, but what else makes me different? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm also a boy, like my friends are boys, we like the same music, we, you know, we laugh, so why am I different, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's something that, it's one of those things where I would never know if I didn't move to this country, because in Ghana, it's not racism per se, it's classism, it's, you know, it's, but it's something that 
I would never have experienced if I hadn't come to this country. Do you still feel that anger now when you hear or see things that that are just so full of injustice and so vile and and just cretinous and spiteful? Do you still feel that same anger? I do. I I I feel very angry, but that anger comes from a different place for me. And it's because it's, it's, it's because we see what's going on in America, for example, and what what goes on in America makes me very angry. Yeah. Police brutality in America makes me so angry to the point where I, I just a lot of times now I just skim over it. I don't want to watch it because I know it will get me that angry. But it's from a different place. It's it's it's, it's from a place where it's like you understand it and you know okay you know what it's not right and you're asking yourself why it's going on in 2018 2017 and you have no answers whatsoever i feel that now being older because i kind of know where i come from i know my heritage i think my my fight is very different from theirs now yeah so that's where that is so i think that's where it's different i'm 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 I don't completely relate to the African-American. And that goes back to, I have a lot of thought on these things where it's kind of like the idea of what black culture is, for example. And I feel, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the term black culture. And the reason why I'm not the biggest fan of the term black culture is because I feel black culture immediately puts every black person in the same box. But every black person isn't in the same yeah. box. So the black man in Accra, Ghana or Lagos, Nigeria doesn't share the same culture as a black man in Queens, New York. So it's unfair to put them in the same box. Um, the, black man expe- the black man's experience in Lagos, Nigeria is different from the black man's experience in Queens, New York. Um, so yes, I understand it. And yes, it makes me very angry. But I think it comes from a different place now because I feel like the experience of the African-American is the, is, is the experience of, if you allow me to say, like not necessarily knowing where they come from yeah. and still experiencing this, you know, whereas my experience has now evolved to, I know where I come from, you know, so maybe I feel a lot safer or I feel a lot, you yeah. know, there's this, whereas I don't think they do. It still makes me angry, don't get me wrong. It's yeah. very, you know, it, it, it still makes me angry and I hate to see it and, and, and like I said, it, it, it makes me so angry now that I just don't like watching it. I will gladly just not watch it because I know it's going on. Um, but I think it's from a slightly different place. The music that I create today, as I've gotten older, uh, is different because it's me celebrating my difference. It's also me listening to the radio and telling myself, well, in all honesty, the radio is telling me what not to do. Because if I do exactly what's on the radio, then I'm not going to stand out. So here's what I'm going to do over here. That's what hip hop was back in the day. Yeah. It was like, okay, you do that. I'm going to do, I'm going to do this over here. So the big one, uh, Mr. Kanye West. <laughs> so let's, first of all, so the college dropout um, yeah. was, we've talked about this, a seminal album and one that really, um, it, it was a game changer for, so, for the industry, for so many people. Um, an incredible album. You have mentioned that Kanye really shaped the way that it, he really influenced your music. Definitely. Kanye West is undoubtedly my biggest influence when it comes to my production. Yo, Chi, they can't stop me from rapping, can they? Can they hop? I spit it through the wire, man. Too much stuff on my heart right now, man. 
I'd gladly risk it all right now. It's a life or death situation, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't really understand how I feel right now, man. It's your boy Kanye Titter. Shot Town, what's going on? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. I drink a boost for breakfast, an insure for dessert. Somebody order pancakes, I just sip the scissor. That right there could drive a sane man bizzard. Not to worry, Mr. Ace to the Izzles back to wizard. How do you console my mom? Or give a light support. Telling her son's own life support. And just imagine how my girl feel. On the plane, scared as hell that a guy looked like Emmett Till. She was with me before the deal. She been trying to be mine. She a Delta, so she been throwing that dynasty sign. No use me trying to be Line. I've been trying to be signed, trying to be a millionaire. How I use two lifelines in the same hospital with Biggie Smalls died. The doctor said I had blood clots, but I ain't Jamaican man. Story on MTV, and I ain't trying to make a band. I swear this right here, history in the making, man. I really apologize to everyone right now. If, if it's unclear at all, man, they got my mouth wired shut for like I don't know. The doctor said like six weeks. You know we had reconstruction. I had reconstruction surgery on my jaw. I looked in the mirror, half of my jaw was in the back of my mouth, man. I couldn't believe it. But I'm still here for y'all right now, man. This is what I got to say right here, dog. Yeah. Turn me up, yeah. Oh. What if somebody from the shadow was ill? Got a deal on the hottest rap label around. But he wasn't talking about coke and birds. It was more like spoken word. Except he's really putting it down. And he explained the story about how blacks came from glory and what we need to do in the game. Good dude, bad night, right place, wrong time. In the blink of an eye, his whole life changed. If you could feel how my face felt, you would know how Mace felt. Thank God I ain't too cool for the safe belt. I swear where the guy drive a two on a sue I got a lawyer for the case to keep us in my safe Safe, my dogs couldn't tell if I look like Tom Cruise on Vanilla Sky It was televised It's been an accident like Geico They thought I was burned up like Pepsi did Michael I must got an angel Cause look how death missed his ass Unbreakable, what you thought they call me Mr. Glass Look back on my life like the ghost of Christmas past Toys R Us where I used to spend that Christmas cash And I still won't grow up I'm a grown ass kid Swear I should be locked up for stupid that I did But I'm a champion yeah, so I turn tragedy uh -huh. to triumph yeah. Make music that's fire Spit yeah. my soul through the wire Woo. You know what I'm saying? When the doctor told me I had a um, I was gonna have to have a plate in my chin I said, dog, don't you realize I'm never making it on a plane now? It's bad enough I got all this jewelry on She can't be serious, man from the college dropout through the wire it was the first track I ever heard from Kanye West um, and just being able to hear these old soul records in that way I mean there were producers that did it before that took old soul records but no one did it like Kanye did it you know and 
that's what influenced me the most and it made me a lot of my older production from previous albums very much influenced by the way Kanye produces uh, and again it was another moment for me it was the first time well, actually it was the first time where um, I felt like his like like, like his, mo- his his mom was like a university professor uh, my dad was a university professor um, I kind of felt like we clicked, which was weird. It was really strange. Like I, I, I kind of on that album, especially like on the track "Spaceship." Years later, I used to work in Next, and years later, I felt exactly how he felt on that record. I was like, "Yo, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> end up punching my boss if he doesn't show." You know, like it's, it's you know, so he, Kanye spoke directly to me on so many levels on that album and 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 and, and other albums as well. Um, but more so his production, his, his, his ear for production, his ear for um, his drums, the way he would program his drums. Um, it's definitely influenced the way I produce my, my music. So Kanye now, as, <laughs> as Kanye now. I mean, obviously he still is producing, a, um, there's, there's, a few, there's a couple of questionable videos yes. um, and a couple of questionable songs, but... I mean, we we can't skip past the the recent controversy that he's caused. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? <laughs> where, where does one start? Where does one start? Where does one start? You know what? So, I've had I've, I've had this conversation with a friend already, and I am a fan of Kanye West. Um, I'm not a fan of everything that he's done. Um, he content wise he's spoken to me less over the last over over previous years you know than he did um at the start of his career production wise he's always speaking because i still love his production to this day his production i, I still think is is, is 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 second to none um but from the outside looking in as a fan or as someone who i mean a little side note i was blessed with an opportunity to open for kanye you know, in 2007, when it was a graduation tour. And this is me opening for my idol, you know, and I was starstruck, speechless, all, all of that. I feel like as a fan, and when you look from the outside looking in, it's very obvious that as a man, Kanye has been going through some stuff. His mum passed away, my mum passed away. Like, I feel like he's spoken to me on so many different levels. But it doesn't mean that I feel at the same time that he's very much vilified. Um, and it's because he doesn't know how to... It's like he's, 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 he's a spoilt child, you know? But if you go to the recent... I'm, I'm guessing you're talking about the whole... Well, the slavery the, comment. The slavery comment, yeah. right. So as a black man, right... I'll say this here, that comment did not offend me. It did not offend me at all. And the reason why it didn't offend me is because when I look at social media, everything that has been pushed from that has been, it's been that 20-second segment from a 30-minute interview. It's been a 20-second segment of Kanye saying slavery was a choice. I watched the 30, the 30, the full 30-minute interview Kanye West did not say slavery was a choice. If you listen to the interview within context and hear him land at the end of the interview, he wasn't malicious. 
he wasn't saying that slavery was a choice. The way he said it wasn't the best way. 100%, we all yeah. know that. Kanye West knows that slavery wasn't, was, like, wasn't a choice. He knows that like, people from my bloodline didn't choose to get on slave ships from, from Cape Coast, Ghana. He knows that. What he was driving at, and if I, I feel if you watched his full 30-minute interview, what, you, what he was driving at was for something to go on for that long, he said, quote, I feel like it's a choice. Because at one point, you start to realize that maybe you're no longer physically enslaved, but you're mentally enslaved. And mental slavery is something that's completely different from physical slavery, right? You, I think people, I think we live in a day and age where people are very quick to take things out of context. Yeah. And just vilify people. And I'm like, you know what? How are you going to judge someone from a 20-second segment that the media are pushing on social media... 20, a 20 second segment from a 30 minute interview and a lot of people that I've had discussions with about this whole thing haven't actually watched the 30, the 30 minute interview yeah so I've not watched uh-huh. it and I have gone by this mm-hmm. 20 second segment mm-hmm. so I'm now going to go and watch this 30 minute interview mm-hmm. so that's all I totally agree in terms of the vilification there that mm-hmm. Do you think that people kind of relish now in being angry at people and, and not people not being able to make mistakes? We have to just shoot people and beat them down all the time. We now. live we live I feel that we live in the most unforgiven times. Unforgiven times and we live in a time, like I said, where everyone's quick to take things out of context and brand someone a devil from something that was taken completely out of context. Um Everyone's quick to get offended, I think, in this day and age. Um, it's a touchy subject for many people, but I wasn't offended by what Kanye West said. Part of the reason why I feel I wasn't offended was because, here's the thing, like I said earlier on, this whole idea of black culture and the black experience is different across the world. The African-American was offended because slavery is very close to home. Mm-hmm. Not to say that the slavery isn't close to home for the African, right? It is close to home for the African. But the African-American has lived in a situation where it's come from slavery and lives in a situation where, obviously, you know, we have the police brutality and, 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 and the kind of, like, little bits of slavery are still kind of, you know, there yeah. in the system. His experience isn't like the, the African who lives in Accra or lives in Lagos, Nigeria. That's a completely different experience. His culture is completely different. Will the man living in... I'm pretty sure there's some people in Lagos, Nigeria, or Kragan that will be offended. I wasn't offended. And the reason why I wasn't offended is because, for me personally, it was because, within context, he didn't say that. I think people just take things out of context and then just vilify it. And I'm like, well, that's unfair. You know, because I'm not saying that Kanye West is the most... Um, he's he's He's... he's He's like a, like a kid sometimes, you know? He doesn't really know how to move or maneuver in a room full of vultures. I think that's like a Jay-Z lyric. It's like, he's, he's a guy that will just, you know, just scream and shout to get his point across and realize later, okay, you know, I could, have said, I could have said it differently. That's not what he said, you know? And I didn't take it as that what he said. I wasn't offended by, the, by, by that at all. So, I mean, that's, I guess that's my point on, you know, on that whole slavery It's really thing. interesting though. Uh-huh. And it's a really interesting point. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So, we're going to move away from America <laughs> um, uh, and down into Grime and Kano. Oh, yeah. um, 
P's and Q's. I remember when kind of first kind of arrived on the scene. Mm. Um, yeah. Artists like Stormzy, I guess, the most yeah. recent, that have really put it on the map. 100%. Um, so Kano, what was... Yeah. This is quite different from everything else that you've picked. Very different. Um, I think for me, Kano, Kano is my favorite UK um, hip hop artist. I, I just consider him hip hop artist. Um, I didn't really come up in the grime scene. Like you said, like grime's been around for a lot longer. Like you said, it's only recently kind of come and, and, and broken through. But P's and Q's was the first record that I heard from Kano. And again, it was the first time that, it was the first time that a UK record just made me go, whoa. Some manners don't like me, they try and bad mind me when Kano comes to town. All I say is mine's right and they lose the limelight when Kano comes around. Some tracks screw me or even screw me, but it don't work cause the crowd don't boo me. You ain't a true G, I'm too deep, how can Kano stay on the ground? I ain't like most that roll around and kick shit off, I hold it down. But we're still gully, the only pop you'll hear from us is pop, pop, pop them out. Act up and get boxed in the mouth, cause you're just playing a gangster. You ain't never weighed it out, sport about, so you ain't never hit no blocks in your mouth. You ain't got love in North, West and South. And I'm an East boy, you're a cheap boy I finish it when you start the beef boy Girls like me, but I ain't a sweet boy So boy, don't think you can move to me You think I'll be asleep boy Cause I'm on my P's and Q's That's why I make more P's than U's Even when I'm in freezing twos Slip, there ain't no reason to Slipping, if there ain't a blitz between the clip That's slipping, no whip Out the man of Lincoln chicks That's slipping, that's slipping if you see me in a game with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my own too. That's the difference between me and you. If you see me in a game with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my own too. That's the difference between me and you. If you see me in a game with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my own too. That's the difference between me and you. If you see me in a game with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my own too. That's the difference between me and you. I hate losing, so I get snoozing from London to loot, and I'm moving. I'm even murking overseas, and I got it locked from London to Leeds. Please, from time you heard me shine, now I'm big from London to Merseyside. You got lines, but you spit like nursery rhymes. This year's got to be mine, I'm the first in line. Wow, you got your first rewind, but the second line sounded like the first line. I ain't got punchlines, I got kick lines, and I ain't commercial, but I got hit lines. I spit deep lines, but I got the girls on my side from the first rewind. You might see my face in a magazine or in a fur coat in face magazine, because they're spreading the word down from rage that I've been, and they're bringing the purse out to pay. For my team. I couldn't give a shit or breaking the scene, making a scene and start making the cream. See, I got a gang with me, and when you walk with a gangster lean, you're all talk, you don't wanna rap with me. There's no jokes or no pranks with me. If you see me in a game with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my own too. That's the difference between me and you. If you see me in a game with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my own too. That's the difference between me and you. If you see me in a game with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, in sneaks or shoes, we're in a Honda, fuck it. No jeeps and coops, we'll chief your crew We're so hungry, we'll teeth your food So mind out before you find out who you're speaking to I speak to you on a level and speak the truth So please 
please, there's fun in me, but there ain't no me in you. And please, you ain't busting one, let alone squeezing two. Say cheese, but it won't be a snapshot, pull out and try and hit like the jackpot leave. I ain't waiting around, baiting the town for a key to be found that's slipping. If the rain of blitz between the click, that's slipping. No whip out the man of Lincoln chicks, that's slipping. That's slipping. If you see me and I ain't with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my old T's. That's the difference between me and you. If you see me and I ain't with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my old T's. That's the difference between me and you. That's the difference. So I'm saying you gotta be on the P's and Q's. This day and age is serious outside. Oh, tap my niggas. Stand strong as Kano. Da Vinci. Straight taking over. No long thing, no prisoners. Woo! 2004. The producer, the production on it, produced by Da Vinci, again made me go, whoa, who's this? You know, um, I didn't know much about grime back then. Like I said, I wasn't really, I didn't come up in the grime scene. I came up in the, in, in the, in the, in the hip hop scene. So um, it was the first grime record um, and the UK record actually that made me go okay let me um, this is this is this is crazy this is dope and um, for that reason that's why I picked it because I felt like I had to well I wanted to pick something that was you know UK and um, and it was kind of like a, t a choice between either Kano or Wretch if I'm uh, honest yeah. um, but I went with P's and Q's because I can't even believe that's that P's and Q's is I think 12 years old. That's insane. It's mad. And it still sounds so relevant. It's, it's mad. And yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's one of those, I think it's one of those, it's one of those tracks that's up there with, um, with Dizzy Rascals. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, it's one of those old time greats, if not one of the greatest um, grime records of all time. Definitely Kano's P's and Q's. And when I mean you recently played London do you still kind of keep in touch with artists that are coming out of of London or is it very much um, a global kind of recognition of artists I think now where I'm at um, it's very much a, a global kind of thing I'm uh, like on on the new album for example uh, the majority of the features on the album are all Ghanaian um, all Ghanaian based artists actually I guess I still keep in touch with some artists in London, but I'm not based in London. And I've been based in Scotland for so long that I'm practically Scottish at the moment that I'm very much even more interested in what's going on up here. Yeah. Because even the grime scene up here is, is, is great. I think for the first time for me, what I'm seeing in Scotland is a generational thing that's coming through. And I love it because I consider myself from coming from the generation of say, like uh, the urban Scott days, and which is probably like, 2006 2007 and for the first time I'm seeing the next generation or the next wave you know you've got people like Ransom Lafay who's doing great things in, in within the grime scene and I love to see that you know I love to see the scene bubbling again and if I'm honest I'm paying more attention to what's going on up here than yeah. I am down in London I feel like being 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 Glasgow based has helped my musical career it's helped my creativity um, I mean, people might not like this, but I feel sometimes if you're based in London, you get stuck in that bubble of what London is. I think it's you know? so true, so true. And, and 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 when it comes to the urban music scene, or when it comes to any type of music scene, you tend to just do what everybody else is doing. And, yeah. 
and I've seen that happen from afar. It's like you go down to London, people go down to London, and it's everyone sounding the same. And it's so ironic how hip hop, you know, is meant to be the whole, oh, you know, do you and be original and stand out, and like everyone's on the same wave and everyone's doing that, and every, you know, I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's really cool. Do you know what I mean? And um, so being up here is, is 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 a blessing. It's made me more free to be creative. It's made me, uh, it's made me develop. I think great as an artist away from the bubble to the point where I feel when I go down to London it's like like it goes back to the whole thing of standing out it goes back to the way well I stand out because I guess I've developed away from the bubble thank you so much um this has been amazing and I feel very I feel very blessed for you speaking to me in oh. such an honest um and articulate way um, because I hold a great deal of respect for you. So oh, wow. um, thank you so much. Thank you. And I, I wish really you all the best going I, I forward. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. Run, run, diddy, run, go. Tell my mother I've come home. Run, run, diddy, run, go. Tell my mother I've come home. Run, run, diddy, run, go. Tell my mother I've come home. Run, run, diddy, run, go. Tell my mother I've come home. After many years and many tears, many fears of not knowing, the tears are loud and now flowing. Now the seeds have all been sown, the trees have all grown. So the time comes to go. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.